are you taking a set amount of time off between Christmas and New Year? Or before and after? <laughs> no. No? Okay. Me. Do you not like, like need time? Planning Just things. days where you don't do anything? I kind of did that yesterday, but it was unplanned. Right. But I mean, Christmassy, New Year time. Because surely the clients you work with will be doing the same. Yeah, well, so my overall plan right now can't be made because for the next couple of weeks is going to be footage recording time. Like, hey. Right. Well, I guess not a couple of weeks. The next week and a bit, <laughs> footage recording time. Record it all. So, so like, so they've got content yeah. for over the festive period. And then I see how much stuff there is. And then I can go, can I make this all in three days? And then take a whole week off afterwards. Right. Will that pay the bills? You know, I can do the planning <laughs> at that point. Because unfortunately... My my bank account is getting squeezed. Inflation is finally oh, hitting sure. people at my wage of living, even though I don't have a car. Well, I it's it's come to the point now with my remortgage that I got a call on Friday when I was coming back from Newton Moore, having run some training there and taking two of the participants back with us because the trains got cancelled. Did you just talk more about the training? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes and no. We you know, learned more about them. They were very interesting people. One of them said they were going to listen to the show. Okay. Hi, Rox, if you are. Oh, hello, listener. And uh, that was, I would, during that car journey, got a call from HSBC to say, oh, by the way, yeah. uh, we, we've just looked at your application for this remortgaging. Bear in mind that this started three months ago. Yeah. And uh, we've just noticed that um, because you used Scottish government funds to help mm-hmm. buy your property, we can't remortgage your flat. Well, they just can't? They just won't, out of principle. And because I had company in the car, I was very polite and I was like, okay. Okay, okay thank that you. is news. Very helpful. You have been very helpful. I am glad that you have informed me of this. Whereas, in reality, it's three months since I started this whole remortgage thing. Yeah. And only now do they notice, oh, hold on a second, maybe this Hang isn't what on we do. A and so, it's led me to the decision and the conclusion, James, uh-huh. yeah. that I am no longer fit for this flat. I nearly said world, but I mean flat. <laughs> you mean flat? What does that mean? I'm going to sell it. Okay. So come springtime, it is being slapped on the market. Kapow. Because by the time I... Because I have to start this whole remortgage thing again. And yeah, I've that's a long I've been doing process. this since July. Yeah. And sure enough, I am paying 200 quid a month more. Yes. But by the time I remortgage... And it's going to go up again, by the way. Yes. By the time I get this remortgaging thing done, I probably will have had to pay more fees. And then they'll be like, oh, well done. It's March. Here, have, have a new two-year fixed term. And at that point, I'd be like, well, I, I don't want it because it's been eight months. I've spent all my money mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I now have to pay a fee to exit my mortgage early. So I spoke to the guy on Monday and said, yo, can I just stick with my expensive standard variable rate? And then when I sell it, do I have to pay anything? And he said, no. Yeah. Because it's an ex- it's the most expensive one. So it means that if you sell it. It's super expensive. You're fine. Yeah. So current plan, sell flat. Rent somewhere okay. or move right. in somewhere with someone. Actually, I, you, you're on my list. Do you have a, do you have a room going? I got a spare room. Yeah, you're you're lower on my list. I'm going to ask another a couple Why people am I here. Why on your list? Because I've got people who are like next to my work who I want to ask first. So it means I could just walk and to my. I'm a perfectly <laughs> adequate home owner. Abs- no, absolutely. Almost. That's why I'm saying you're you're on the list, but you're yet to be top of the list. Carlos, think about this free money I get if you move in. Well, that's the whole point. So, like, here, here I'm now. I'm just making it clear. I'm selling this flat, and I'm going to need somewhere to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are on the list, but nice. I'm not asking you yet, okay? This is not me officially asking me to move. Let who's above so I can bump them off. <laughs> Although, I'll tell you what. Who's above me on the list? If, uh, I got I to gotta get, get some gear. 
I tell you what, if um, if I do eventually, uh, yeah, let's say the, the first, I've got at least two people I'm asking first who I know yeah. have rooms who are nearer to my work. Okay, they make If sense. they fall through and I end up for even temporarily, because long term plan, me and Graham are going to get our own house. Of course. Uh, surprise. Yeah, of but course. Plan is sell flat, uh-huh. find out how much money we then have uh-huh. from profit of selling flat. Yes. And having paid off. A chunk of the mortgage already. No, yeah, hopefully it'll be a, a then, decent amount with you know, like the property and going up in price. For sure. Then, once we have our like lump sum, I'm temporarily in some location, yes. maybe in Glasgow okay. slash Braid Square. Okay. And then wow, we buy a we just buy a house. Me like that. Now everyone's going to come looking for my signature. So that's the current plan because yeah. this remortgage has just ruined me. It's the worst. Oh, it's horrible. It's absolutely the worst. Yeah. And look, if you're struggling with inflation, then yep, I'll give you my money. And in return, we'll we'll just have to do more podcast episodes because we'll be in the same space for like a a, a period of time. We don't have any excuses anymore. It's really awkward. (laughs) Exactly. But it was the last thing I needed just before Christmas was a call from the person who's meant to have been looking through my stuff for the last three months. Yeah, actually trying to, say, to do your job. Oh, sorry, I've just realised we can't do it. That's ridiculous. If it had been three weeks, it would have been bad enough. That's ridiculous. Ah. That's horrible. Yeah. Anyway, how are you How are you coping in this exceptionally cold spell? It's minus eight at the moment in my well, part of Glasgow. Let me tell you, I went to the dentist last Monday. It was cold. Yep. I went to somewhere else on Tuesday. They've actually forgotten. It was cold. Doctor? And then I haven't left the flat since, and that's been great. Nice. What else did I do? Oh, no, technically I did also actually leave to go to, to pick up a computer from my nice. computer. I was fixing for him because I'm that good. When you say pick up a computer, uh, I presume you had to walk very carefully because I have nearly no, fallen on my arse at least three times. Very luckily for me, he, he, uh, he was planning, he had to leave to go... To I say this is the why I'm the lucky one. He was getting paid to go to Rotterdam for the weekend. To <laughs> what do a like shame! A, what a hardship to do a, a whole gig. Uh, uh, so I got I I got an Uber home. Wow! Uh, for, uh, on the way, you charged that to him. You know, so I didn't have to. I didn't have to lick. I didn't lick. I didn't have to lick up the <laughs> <Sorry>. computer. <laughs> Wow, that's um, that's a dark corner of the internet. <laughs> you never like just—it's really cold, you know. A computer's made of metal. You don't use your hands. You just get your tongue stuck to it and shepherd it home. Yep. No, I didn't have to resort to the tongue anchor method, and I got an Uber. Uh, co- we co- we co- got an Uber nice. on the way home. I didn't even have to pay. Great, free. I mean, and then I get paid to fix the computer, free. <laughs> and I've not left a flat since, and my flat is really cold. I'm upstairs. I got two stories. Nice. So the upstairs is obviously warmer than the downstairs. I keep yep. the downstairs basically Baltic. Nice. Um, but the upstairs is cold enough that I am permanently wearing like gloves. I mean, who needs a fridge when you can just socks. turn off all your heating and leave all your stuff out on the counters? Turn, yeah, just open the windows, fridge <laughs> off. I feel like it's definitely a hangover from my upbringing where, you know, if it was cold, we would heat basically one room in the house. One room, more layers. Everything else would be off and then it was, oh, just put on another jumper or put on a second t-shirt or a second pair of socks if you're cold. I, no, I did do the new oldest person thing I've ever done, and I did purchase a heated blanket. Nice, that sounds good though. It's really good. And mostly, my cat is enjoying it, and then I feel bad for wanting it, and I just leave it anyway. But yep, it's there. Well, the other thing that's kind of old person, which I never would have done years ago, is I uh, well, Graham got me a dressing gown for my birthday, and it's it's almost on all the you time. Talked about it's this. the best. There we go. That's yeah. They're great. And, uh, slippers as well. I actually get one. Slippers are great. 
Dressing gowns. I got, I got, I got, I got proper big slippers. Need a dressing gown. Heat a blanket. I'll be living the old person who can't afford their bills life at the young age of whatever yep. I am right now. I know. Thirty. Getting old. Although, tell you what, I forget some of the slippers I used to have when I was uh, much younger. Those remember those giant wolf feet slippers? They're great. I used to have loads of those. They're super oh, warm. Fantastic, but I'm pretty sure I got made fun of when I was like a teenager yeah. living in Glasgow and people would come over and see me in these giant wolf slippers. They'd be like, huh, gay. And I stopped wearing them, funnily enough. And now in hindsight, I'm like, those slippers were great, man. Big, kind of fluffy things. Just extra fluff. Sure, they might be made for children, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to say on the scale of like fluffy slippers, it's either ones that are like tiger feet, wolf paw, bear, bear, bear paws. <laughs> Or it's like just fluffy slippery. Okay. One of those is more gay than the other. Welcome to Seesaw Parade where we review loungewear. We do actually. We've talked about loungewear quite a lot. We have. Although we're at the stage, myself and Graham at the stage where one of our Christmas presents almost to ourselves is like, are we at the stage where we get matching pajamas? Do it. I, I'm very tempted to, to actually just buy that. Even if it's, you know, do it. a little bit cringe. I don't care. Cause you wear it on Christmas. Pajamas are great. You look cute, and then you put them away, wear them when you want. Oh, but, but you gotta synchronize on Christmas Day. On a similarly uh, Christmas-themed attire note, we had a, a message today to say that our last day in the Pink Elephant office is a uh, Christmas jumpers mandatory day, <laughs> and I have one Christmas jumper, which okay. is a Rick and Morty-themed mm. Christmas jumper. It is. That's very cool. It's really not. It's like a two yeah, out of ten. Really, I love it so in much. In terms of edge lord coolness, is it one of those that's like the vinyl, the vinyl graphic style, or is it actually a Christmas jumper? I'm no. I'm pretty sure the caption is "Happy Human Holiday," which is as bad as it gets. Right, but I'm asking: is it like a, a knitted jumper with a pattern, or is it like one of those like the ironed on in some factory? Oh no, no, it's fully knitted. Oh, Absolutely, that, that's like, good. Then a that's decent a, amount of money was spent on that's it. It's more than a two out of ten. Then even if it's Rick and Morty. Well, it, no, it's more for like the caption and the fact that you're 31 years old yeah. wearing a Rick and Morty Christmas. Yeah. But it's the only one I've got, and I'm it's very as reluctant as me saying cringe. to spend to spend any more money on uh, on Christmas jumpers. The other thing, sorry, when you're talking about words there. This is very much, I'm ping-ponging from one topic to the other. Better keep up, people. That's what people are listening for, you know? It's absolutely unconnected, mm-hmm. random tangents mm-hmm. of my brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article today about how Gen Z yeah. are confusing adults in the workplace, apparently, oh, by using no. phrase, like, phrases and words like slay. What? <laughs> is that confusing? And old people are like, what do you mean you're going, oh, you slayed it, or slay. Kids, what do you kids, mean? Kids these days with their different words <laughs> and it got me into like a click hole of someone on social media who who made a thread of this quote which we often hear which is kids these days are spoiled kids these days don't know how how bad it used to be kids these right? days yeah and yeah, he, yeah kids these days didn't get called up to go to war and fight in the beaches in normandy yep. and die so they're, they're weak he started this thread and it was you know 2022 kids these days don't know how good they've got it back in my day blah 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 blah, blah. yeah and you keep going down this thread yeah, yeah, yeah and every like 10 years you're talking 1970 1960s 1948 suddenly it's kids these days don't know how good they've got it yeah and yeah. it goes all the way back to the 19th century this is like proper like, newspaper reported stuff as well 18 yeah, yeah, yeah. proper newspaper clippings 1894 i think was the first one which was kids these days are so spoiled 
They don't know how good they've got it. The part that I don't get, right? It's amazing. It's always people who had kids that do this. It's like, well, (laughs) one, you spoiled them, and two, doesn't that make you happy? Is aren't you aren't you right. happy that the kids that you had are living an easier life than you did? Isn't yeah. Like the, their their measure of suffering is maybe not as big as yours because they haven't experienced it. You know, that's a good thing. Absolutely. If I think of my own childhood, it was a good childhood. It was pretty pretty normal, apart from, you know, being the Bible basher emo kid who got picked on. Right, yeah, yeah, with yeah. terrible yeah, spots. Yeah. Very normal. That aside. It was a fairly normal childhood. I think the only thing that if I were ever to have kids that I would change is I would avoid making my children take homemade packed lunches Uh, the majority of the week because you would get picked on for your little bottle of reusable iron brew apple juice. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) But that's it. And, you know, maybe the occasional set of new clothes rather than wearing Kenneth's POD jumper. All right, hand-me-downs less, less common, yeah. Someone's saying, oh, isn't that your brother's? Yeah. No, it's mine now. It's mine now. Uh, no. I actually still have shoes of Kenneth's. Uh, pink Vans. You still which at this have point, those? I still have them. They're they're considered vintage at this they're, point. They can't even be pink anymore. they got to be no, grey. No, but they still are. Pink and black checkered. And Graham hates them. I think they're wonderful. But uh, hey-ho. Wow. Anyway, welcome to Seesaw Parade, your new favourite clothing review podcast. Well, That's what we've become. Fast fashion, get rid of it, delete the whole industry. All you need Recycle. is to have a brother and then borrow their clothes for the rest of time. I'm Colin, mm-hmm. and he's James. I am clothed. Both of which clothed. Or am I? And with brothers who also have clothes, and whom, whose clothes we may have borrowed in times past. Actually, hang on. You definitely will have had something of John's at some point, I'm sure. Well, yeah, at the pa- in the past. I'm trying to think if I currently have anything that I have... That I have received from either sibling. I don't think I do. I don't think I have any... I think maybe some some socks that are accidentally got left behind <laughs> in the sure. flat or something yep. that I never use because I'm like, well, I, that's weird. Uh, actually, I definitely do that because I just came up with it. Uh, <laughs> but no, I don't think... Currently, I think my, the only clothes that are hand-me-downs are from friends, which is nice. really cool. Well, we've we've all lost socks here and there. And dear listener, if you've list, lost socks or had hand-me-downs, then do tell us about it. At Seesaw Parade on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Seesaw Parade at gmail.com. But for real, we are... Scotland's longest-running news-slash-entertainment-slash-politics-slash-clothes podcast in history. Can we get sued for claiming that? No. Yeah, we'll see. And then we are also <laughs> uh, your least dull podcast, new favourite podcast. Any other slogans going here? And this, James, may well be... Less popular than fast fashion. Absolutely. This may well be the last episode of 2022 oh yeah actually you, know you get what? busy no i don't get busy no we'll, we'll get one more we will get one more because i finish a day earlier than i i am i have before words oh you've got like a whole day i've got a whole day after i finish before christmas eve 23rd so if you're free 23rd let's do it Recording the 23rd, noted okay i lied this is the second to last episode of 2022 before our Christmas What episode. Christmas movie should we watch oh, good idea. S- to review next week? You tell us. I'm thinking Klaus. We'll come up. Because I never watched that one yet. I've never, I don't even know which one you're talking about. There is a new uh, Christmas movie out at the moment called Violet Night. Have you seen ads for it? Called, v- wait, is that Violent or Violet? Violent. Sorry, Vi- not like, Violet. No, that's like, a very different movie. Violent Night with David Harbour playing oh. uh, a murderous Santa. I've not seen this film. I haven't even seen anything about this. Film. I keep getting, tr- you know, every so often, well, every so often, every day I go on YouTube and I get ads for the same stuff. It's either. Oh, you still have ads? Oh, on my phone. 
yeah. okay, on your phone. I never use my phone yet. So on, on I get ads for exclusively at the moment, Google Pixel 6. Oh, I've seen ads for that and I don't see barely any ads. SEMrush. I get SEMrush constantly. I don't know what that is. And then a trailer for Violet Night. So if you want to see a Christmas movie, people, I don't know how good it is. Maybe reviews are good. We'll find is out. on Netflix? But if you do want to suggest a Christmas movie for us to watch, I've never seen Love Actually, for example. Maybe that's one to take off the list. Oh, yeah, that's a Christmas Apparently film. it's a Christmas film. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. Vigo Mortensen's in it. No, he's not. A different movie. And you can also let us know then, uh, and directly, you can message either myself or James directly, as some of you have. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Do you want to donate your old Christmas jumper to Colin? Please get in touch. If, it, if you want to it. send it to me before the 22nd, you are welcome to do so. Or me. I take them. I need warmth. And Rick and Morky. Rick and Morky. <laughs> can be consigned to the bin, to the ashtray of history. You wouldn't bin it. It was expensive. And to be fair, with inflation, it's probably worth a lot more now as well. I could buy a house for it. Give it to a food bank. A clothing bank. <laughs> or, a clo- or a clothes bank, yeah. <laughs> both both are available. In this, Here you go, chew of these fibres. In the sad time we currently live in. It's a tough year for us all. Talking of which, James, let's talk about oh, yeah. strikes, shall we? There's There should be more. Should we go on strike? Well, it wouldn't be very effective, but we could... <laughs> At some point, people would demand that we return to work. People would say, Colin, the, the, the podcast is missing from my life. <laughs> Although, dear listener, I'm going to tell you... contribution to the nation's uh, economy. Uh, dear listener, I'm going to tell you later about a podcast that you should go and listen to rather than this one. Oh. Because it was so good okay. that I, I binged the entire thing very quickly but I'm going to come back come back to that later on so skip ahead to the review section and find out what podcast that is and then listen to it right now I'm not going to tell you the timestamp, so you have to listen to the whole thing anyway this is the news 40 minutes 5 seconds this is the news that the largest strike action taken by nurses in the history of the National Health Service is on the horizon yeah they are going to go on strike in England Wales and Northern Ireland on the 15th and the 20th of mm-hmm. December mm-hmm. Uh, this was two days of industrial action announced by the Royal College of Nurses the RCN they're calling for a pay rise of 19% and they are of course one off just I would say half a dozen industries which across December are going on strike so we have had yes this month so far a strike every single day in fact there's only one day in December, oh. I believe it might be Christmas Day, actually, where make nobody is striking. So we have... half of them are on holiday, hopefully. Teachers, that's all over the UK. In Scotland, we've got uh, strike action being announced two days per local authority in the new year. Oh. Border force staff at airports across Heathrow, Gatwick, and another... they existed, but good on them. They're striking as well. That's uh, about 75% of passport control staff. So, of course, everybody's been told... Avoid traveling. And then the main one, of course... Don't travel for the holidays. Yeah, okay. ...is the rail strikes, which are ongoing. Forever. They have, of course, yeah. been going now for several months. Mick Lynch has become a, a target of mainstream media sources in the last few days, <laughs> weeks, months. But it does seem to have taken a turn, I would say, in the last few days. Because, of course, the line they're following now is, how dare you? How dare you strike over Christmas when people actually need to use the things that you do? Dude, how could you ruin people's delicious dinners? So this is where we're at the moment. Labour have come out today, Sir Keir Starmer, and said that it's a badge of shame 
that NHS nurses are having to go on strike because of the, this yeah, paltry yeah, pay offer yeah. they've been uh, currently given and swiftly rejected. Strong words from strong, strong words from Starmer. Definitely very supportive of the nurses. A badge of sorry, a badge of shame. Yes, he really is uh, hitting the Tories hard. The Conservatives are bad. Mr. Starmer, do you think that the uh, the nurses are good? Oh, the Tories are bad. So the first thing I wanted to ask about is the way in which these strikes are almost all being painted, despite the fact that from what I've seen, certainly, polls would reflect that people in this country generally yeah are, are are like supportive of the strikes. So there's a majority support still. Generally, from what I've seen, people. Yeah, of course they're going to be inconvenienced. It's going to be annoying. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. support their the, the fact that they're striking. However, if you listen to anything in the media, and I include the likes of the BBC in this, everybody it's hates very much you. <laughs> you striking unions. You're all terrible people. So selfish. Inconsiderate. Nobody asked you to do this. Why do you want more money for these jobs that are already underpaid? <laughs> so why is this? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. But why is this the line that's being followed? Uh, I, I actually, I, I don't think it is. Super obvious because no, it shouldn't be the entirety of the media that is doing this. It doesn't make sense that everybody in the media is taking this line. Like even the Guardians being really weak on strikes and stuff like that. We don't have a prominent left wing uh, branch of the media in the UK who is actively supporting the strikes. That's true. Um, at least none that are significant enough that you'll see it day to day. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, we know that why the BBC does these things is because the Tories have have planted all of their own people at the top of the, the food chain for so long that now they just do whatever the Tories want them to. But yep. genuinely, strike action, it just makes sense. You have to either believe that people are, you know, who like their jobs generally because, you know, they obviously are working in them uh, and who are decent human beings because obviously the majority of people are decent human beings are in bad enough working environments that they are choosing to do collective action. And it's a democratic process where they have to vote to do it. So clearly the majority of these decent people who like their jobs are saying we need to do action. You can assume that. Or you can assume that the majority of everybody in the UK is a a bad person who is selfish and just wants more money. And I think that the line, wherever you fall on either side of that line, tells me more about you than it does about sure. the strikers. It tells me more about you than it does about the people who are d- taking action. So to put a Scottish twist on this then, uh, this was just yesterday, which um, I managed to miss. Members of two of the biggest NHS unions in Scotland yeah, yeah, yeah. voted to accept the improved pay offer north of the border. So this is just in Scotland, which ended the risk of strikes by the members of Unite yeah. and Unison. So this was like a... 11% increase for the people's wages in the lowest bands, an average of 7.5% yeah. wage increase for everybody, a, a promise of lower work hours uh, in the future, like dropping down to like 36 hours for people working in the industry. So mm-hmm. actually decent offer, obviously not ideal because it's not meeting inflation for everybody and we're all pretty squeezed already. Right. But it just shows that strike action works. Collective bargaining works. Sure. And it should be proof for everybody out there who's saying that strikes never work, that hey, they still do and they always have, you know? <laughs> well, exactly. So as you've said there, yeah, the average increase for Scottish uh, union members in the nursing sector is 7.5%, which means that the average or most NHS staff in Scotland will get a rise of just over £2,000 a year. Now, whilst that is short of inflation, yeah. as you've said there, James, it's essentially targeted so that the people who are worst off 
get the biggest, get the lion's share of the increase, which is pretty fair in terms of monetary is actually not as much as what the people at the top would have got. Failed to see, we're failing to see that replicated south of the border. No, the offer down south is terrible in comparison. It's way worse. So the, the quote I'm seeing here today is Rishi Sunak has has said, well, no, no, we, we need to remember that uh, last year we had a pay freeze on other public sector workers. I mean, great for them. And nurses got a know, 3% rise. And that apparently oh, 3%. is enough for him. He said he wanted to put it on the record what this Tory government have done for nurses. There we go. 3%. What this Tory government has done for nurses and everybody else in the UK for the last 12 years is a real terms pay cut across the board for all workers. (laughs) Wow, thank you Tories. You did great. And it's also on the back of you may have seen this earlier any wait times are at their worst I believe on records. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's a combination of you know it's winter time so people generally are sicker. Also, it's been a week of sub-zero temperatures, so older people are getting iller more quickly as well, mm-hmm. but also people who go into A&E for things that actually are unnecessary. And as I learned last week on a training course, people in hospital who are well enough to go home or be moved into a home and the one that they want is unavailable, so they just sit in the hospital until a space comes up, basically. Yeah, happens. Using up beds that need to be used for people in an actual emergency. So yeah. that's where we're at at the moment. And as I've highlighted there, mm-hmm. nurses are just one of many sectors, which rightfully so, considering inflation is still, as of today, at 10.7% are needing more money. That's that's the reality. We Everybody does. Well, yeah, the whole system does. The whole system needs more money, and this can be achieved through basic progressive taxation and making wealth taxes in line with income taxes. It could be making the top rate of national insurance just not exist. How come they pay less than I do, you know? Um, a whole bunch of measures that have been outlined uh, by several think tanks. The most recent one came out this week. You might have seen the report. I've actually added it to the run order, uh, talking about how the UK... Um, is looking to have more people dropping in below the poverty line, um, 30 million people uh, getting priced out of a standard, a, a decent standard of living. All of these problems where clearly the UK tax system is not fair. It isn't, it isn't good enough to keep the people at the bottom of the, of the wrong order uh, well-fed, you know, with their heating on decent wages, the ability to raise kids. An important thing is having enough money to raise your children, you know? Yeah. So we need a big change to the taxation system so that everybody's paying their fair share and we don't just keep having money flood upwards to the to the people who own half the houses houses in the nation. Um, but no, the toys won't do that. They'll just keep pointing out how things could be worse if they didn't give us like a 2% raise last year or 3%. The whole system has changed, and the Tories are obviously trying to crash the NHS so they can sell it off. Yeah, you know, the last remnants of things to sell in the UK to make short-term profit for the future loss of everybody. So, with these strikes ongoing, of course, the rail strikes are the ones that are going to get the most coverage. It's largely, I believe, network they rail are workers. Uh, everything from cleaners to ticket uh, inspectors to, I believe, some most of the lower-paid workers. Yeah, 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 people who actually work on the rail lines to make sure the trains go from A to B safely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and the coverage, particularly in the last few days, has turned more viciously towards the likes of Mick Lynch and other figures How dare in he? those unions playing on the, oh, it's Christmas time, can you have some Christmas spirit Can vibes. you have some heart, you know? Where does this end? Because well, the... clearly, by the, by the rhetoric being spouted by, whether it's 
yeah, media outlets or it's the government. It does not look like there's any sort of progress being made in the offers being put to these unions because yeah. this has been months now. Well, we as a general population, we've got the two avenues of power, and that is uh, democracy, voting, blah, 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 doesn't seem to be going very well, and protest, which includes things like strikes. And clearly, right now, we need protests and strikes and all of those things because we have, uh, we have constantly just got leaders who aren't doing anything to better the nation. So where it ends, obviously and inevitably, is either the government trying to uh, uh, muscle everybody out, uh, whether that is through dodgy uh, replacement schemes for getting rid of all the current workers and bringing new ones in, or by trying to ban uh, strike action and ban more protests and things like that. Yeah. Or the other option is that the strikes just work like they usually do, and we come to an agreement that kind of keeps things sustainable for the time being. Because it is important that people have a decent job, and it's important that that job pays them enough. And therefore, obviously, the, the good side in these arguments is the people who are willing to set aside their job and their wages very often for a short amount of time to gain a better future for themselves and a sustainable one that won't run an industry into the ground. Because the current the current system will just fail if, if the workers are all just too poor to exist. Just one final story briefly on this before we move on. And this was from last week when the government vowed to introduce legislation yeah, which yeah. would essentially restrict and make illegal some levels of strike action, mm. which trade unions, of course, have vowed to oppose. It's a bit uh, fascist. So <laughs> there's one part of this which I, I understand. For example... In the military, you're unable to go on strike. When you're in the police, there are some people, as a matter of public safety, you're unable to go on strike. Right. But what? But why does that then affect people like, you know, rail workers or, or border guards? Right. That's the part which I'm thinking, how, how can you make that illegal? Yeah, the, the fun thing for me is that I don't think it should be illegal for people even in the military to go on strike you know <laughs> you know yeah uh, i don't know how else they can guarantee themselves a decent wage aside from quitting and getting another job uh, but you know it, i guess it's that's part and parcel gonna... of hey you signed up for the military too bad yeah exactly you've signed your life away when you were 18 or 16 and very suggestible and you were told that it was a way to have a successful life and haha and now you now you get weak wages because you're not allowed to strike um now i get that they've got access to weapons and stuff so their strikes are maybe a little bit more violent but you know that maybe is the thing to limit, not their just access to strike action in general. So when we see these things about like, well, maybe we should ban nurses too, because that would be better for the health of the nation. I'm like, well, no, the other way around, we should just allow everybody to have collective action because it's obviously something that we should be able to have as a, as a right, as a, as a democratic right. Um, but of course, they're going to try to do it. The Tories are going to try and do something scummy. And that scummy thing is ban people from one of the only ways they can wield their power. Yeah, but it won't work because they can't take away things like sick days, and they can't take away other things that the so it, a strike just becomes everybody calling in sick at the same time, a coordinated sick day. <laughs> it's not that difficult to get around these bans, so they will still just end up shooting themselves in the foot. But what else do we expect from Tories? Fair enough. Talking off Tories, let's talk about Matt Hancock, Hat Mancock, our favorite slash least favorite Tory MP on the show. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah, of course yeah, yeah, has yeah, announced yeah. last week he is stepping down. Wow, as a politician. Tying a bow onto his for now terrible story for now. After his time in the jungle, he apparently has reflected oh. on all the things he ate, including a cow's anus, kangaroo penis, mm. and decided mm. actually, you know what? It felt like cannibalism, did it? <laughs> I want to do more of of this stuff. 
except um, locally. So he is standing down uh-huh. voluntarily. And, and his uh, job is now going to be eating cow anus? Uh, we will see. Now, he's refuted allegations he's been forced out. Of course, we talked about before. I mean... When he announced he was going on the ITV show, he was removed. Uh, the, the whip was removed from him and he had to stand as an independent. Yeah. So it means that, uh, yes, the West Suffolk MP will leave, I believe, at the end of the when the election comes, he will just decide Step not down. to stand again. Okay. So th- this is for, in his his own words, it's a chance to explore new career options. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's got some. Like, hmm. I, like I, I would believe any Tory would quit for a higher paying job, you know, or they temporarily become Tories so they can get access to higher paying jobs afterwards. For sure. Um, for sure. If you look at, for example, the post-political careers of whether it's George Osborne, whether it's David Cameron... They make an absolute fortune after they've yeah. been politicians, in particular if they've been a government uh, minister. Yeah, or someone like Sajid Javid, who was went from banker to having influence over banking regulations to going back to being a banker again. I'm sure he's made many friends in the sector. Oh, for um, sure, yeah, yeah. So when it comes to Hancock, yeah, I could completely believe that he's permanently quitting and just getting paid for the rest of his life in less of a public eye. But also, it's a very good time for Tory MPs to just quit and walk away for a little bit and then come back in like five years and say, oh man, remember that time that all the other Tories made everything bad for a long time and I wasn't involved because I quit halfway through it? I'm different. I'm back now and I'm here to fix it. So you might do that. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Uh, And whilst we're on the subject of Westminster, the SNP have a new leader in London. This is after Ian Blackford resigned and now Stephen Flynn is the head of the SNP in Westminster. He's the MP for Aberdeen South uh-huh. and uh, defeated, allegedly, the First Minister Nicola Sturgeon's favourite, Alison Thewlis, by 26 votes to 17. And in the wake of that, you then had other people in the party who had positions under Ian Blackford quitting, apparently in defiance of a, an alleged ah, coup. Yeah. Now, how much of that is true? No idea, but clearly... There is something going on beyond just Ian Blackford deciding he's had enough. There's a rift. Yeah. There's a rift. Mr. Flynn is also 34. And it's getting all the headlines, just like every single Tory rift definitely does. Yeah. He's denied, well, I mean, Ian Blackford has denied being pushed out. And uh, Stephen Flynn, in response to this, said people who are spreading rumours have clearly watched too much House of Cards. I mean, like, I, again, it could be either way. There, there could have been this idea that they need to replace Blackford and they were talking about it and then he heard that and then he was like, actually, yeah, that's probably going to work out. I'm going to quit now before they actually manage to achieve it. But it also could just be that he stepped down and that they need a new leader and that that is believable, I guess. Neither one really makes me think any greater or less about the likes of Blackford or Flynn. Uh, I will let their careers uh, speak for themselves. Blackford is known for several strong words in uh, Commons, but also like sure was involved and did cover up some like shady SNP stuff. So we're not the biggest fan. Um, and sounds like he was pals with Boris as well. A wee bit, yeah. So like, it, I don't, I, I don't want to prejudge someone like Flynn. Um, I'll just see what he does. I did see rumors that he was wanting to bring back Joanna Cherry, who I obviously am. Not a fan of, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's been set aside for the time being. So I'll just let the rest of his decisions speak for themselves. But, you know, what What does it really mean to be the, the leader of the SNP in Westminster? It's, a bunch of, it's talking to a bunch of people who don't listen to us anyway. Okay, let's talk about China, because it's been a while Woo. since we have gone there. It was about a month ago, maybe two months ago, that Xi Jinping essentially re-voted himself into the position of leader in the country, making him the yeah. longest-standing 
leader in China in decades, maybe maybe over a century. And the news in the last two weeks has been mm-hmm. uh, this headline, that China is now lifting its most severe COVID policies, including forcing people to quarantine in state-run camps. And this was after yeah, camps, yeah. about a week, a week after massive protests in the country, the first ones of their kind in years. People compared it to the 1990s, Tiananmen Square, of course, is the famous one. So the, the rules now are that if you've got COVID in China, you can isolate at home rather than at a state facility. Yeah. If you have mild or no symptoms, yes. people also no longer need to show tests for venues. They can travel more freely inside the country. And that has been allegedly met with, uh, according to yeah, Chinese social media posts here, uh, been met with relief, but also concern I'm sure, yeah, about I'm sure, yeah. how quickly these changes have happened. This was well, social unrest caused it, yeah. Yeah, well, you saw, I'm sure many of you did see the protest. There were thousands of people in the streets of Beijing, of Shanghai, in some cases openly chanting for Xi Jinping to, to stand down, which is absolutely unheard of. But following that, of course, you had police then beating people severely for expressing such opinions. That being said, it does look like the government recognised, okay, we do need to get round to living with the virus. It has been almost three years, and as we talked about... It's not going uh, away. ...many, many times, yeah, it's it's sticking around. And whilst China, of course, has more experience than most with these sorts of airborne viruses because of their, you know, whether it's SARS in, in recent memory or previous ones... It felt like they certainly were behind everybody else to the extent that at the World Cup they were censoring pictures of of fans. And they don't want to show anybody living freely. Yeah, yeah of people singing and fans in the in the crowd without masks. So yeah, this to me, I mean, great if you live in China, but some scary times there for people who going out in the street protesting a government which. They don't know what the consequences are. It's a brave place to be doing protests, yeah. Absolutely. With the history that they've experienced, uh, yeah. Now, I hope they learn uh, a lesson that sometimes their whole, again, it's collective action, that it is still effective even in the worst of places. Um, but again, like you don't want to see something like Tiananmen Square happening in these countries that are far more oppressive towards dissenters. Um, and it's the same reason. You see the way that they were having a zero COVID policy. When you see that kind of thing getting enacted in a country of basically no democracy, no actual voice of the people, no agreement, there is no social agreement to have these actions in place. So it's not legitimate. So it's good to see the people getting to say what they want in very loud protests and get listened to. And the COVID stuff is going to be scary for for a long time in a lot of countries and a lot of places. And if even China is embracing a, oh, I guess we have to live with it because this is the future now stance, then it looks like we're going to have to live with it because it's the future now stance. You know, that's it now. It's on the bank, though, of the fact that are hitting, I believe, the biggest wave of infections yet. Yeah, they're getting like 30,000 infections. 30,000 a day. Yeah, per day. And and whilst, of course, that uh, with vaccines, with other preventative measures, it's less likely, and the fact that the variants at the moment are less deadly than they were. Yeah. Still a lot of people being unwell. A lot of people being unwell. Long COVID still obviously a big problem. I'm seeing reports that about half of people who have had COVID are still experiencing effects of long COVID. So that's scary for anywhere that has a certain numbers of infections per day. Uh, so, you know, again, like it's the opposite. China is like relaxing things. That doesn't mean that we all can relax even more. You should still care a lot about all of this stuff. 
Okay, let's move on, and I want to talk about something which has just happened in the last few minutes, and it's more to, it's more to make a note of the fact we're talking about it rather than to prompt any real discussion. It's the the sad news that a six-year-old who fell into an icy lake near Birmingham oh. on Sunday has become the fourth child to die in that accident. So you may have seen this over the weekend. Oh, yeah. uh, it was three other boys who were eight, ten, eleven. Um, they were playing on the on this icy lake on mm-hmm. Sunday okay. because of the amount of sub-zero temperatures we've had. And yeah, by all accounts, they all fell through the ice. Wow. Police uh, emergency services arrived on the scene, punching through the ice to attempt to rescue them. Had all been pulled out uh, unconscious or in cardiac arrest at that point. And yeah, just the last few minutes, they've confirmed the youngest one died. So that's, that's horrendous. And it's tragic. a reminder as much as, and I feel like my, my dad saying this, icy lakes i am the first one to want to venture out onto them and you know yep. have a skate around but yep yeah that's that's really tragic if you want to do anything like that you've got to be studying up on the warning signs of danger and like it's like it's always like it's horrible when you when like kids are just having some fun and something horrible happens oh yeah, yeah. like it's, it's a, that is a story that is tough to hear yeah, for sure. Okay, let's talk about this one as well. This is uh, the story of Ansicoulis, which has come up on the show a few times. Oh, okay. And finally, there has been, and I'm going to use inverted commas here, justice, because I'm really torn with this story. So this was the news that the US citizen who was responsible for the death of a teenage motorcyclist was finally sentenced for that, for causing that death. Yeah. Of course, she wasn't actually there. She was in the States. Well, the sentence. And her sentence was... Eight months in prison, but it was suspended for a year. Yeah. So she does not actually serve any jail time. No. So Ansicoulis was driving on the wrong side of the road in Northamptonshire 2019 when uh, she hit the 19-year-old Harry Dunn uh, outside this military base. She then fled the country mm-hmm. and that caused a massive transatlantic route because, first of all, the US government said, no chance are you prosecuting the wife of a diplomat. Mm-hmm. And the UK government, the civil Serv- the Crown Prosecution said, well, no, she caused the death of someone on the roads here, so too bad we're doing it. And it's taken three years to at least bring it to court. And sure, she's, she's joined via video link to listen to the evidence. Oh, yeah. And by the looks of things has admitted that the death was her fault. She, yes, she did admit uh, earlier this year that she caused death by by careless driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the US government had advised her not to travel. Well, yeah. And to, to the UK. To, yeah, sorry, to the UK. This has then gone to the sentencing, and just on, it was Thursday, because I was listening to it on the radio, they announced that she had been sentenced for causing the death of a 19-year-old by driving on the wrong side of the road, and it's a suspended jail term. And I was like, as soon as I heard it, I thought, "Are you are you kidding? Yeah, eight months. I mean, and suspended, so she doesn't even get a she doesn't even serve I mean, any time in jail. jail now, already. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before I go any further, uh-huh. two f- further things to add. Number one was I appreciate the international diplomacy aspect of this story because the UK, US, they want to like keep keep each other sweet. Mainly UK because the US is like the big, the big UK bully. Is desperate for friends. Absolutely. Yeah. And so they wanted to avoid being some sort of, uh, let's say, dogged country with a real determination to see justice served. They were like, well, you know, only, only if she wants to, only if she's okay with appearing via video link. And so I appreciate the judge has 
I'm sure, aware of all this. Yeah. And rather than sentencing what you would have been sentenced for causing death in this manner, she or or he, whoever the Just judge changed was, it down, changed it up a wee bit. Yeah. has decided, actually, you know what? International relations are important. Eight months suspended. Yeah. And the second point okay. is that I, I heard the news and I was instantly like, that's a total miscarriage of justice. Eight months suspended. And then they played a clip of Harry Dunn's mother. And by the sounds okay. of things, she was yeah. ecstatic at this result. I mean, and yeah. so she was saying to the press outside, Harry, we I told you we would get justice and we did. We did it. She, she will never come to the UK again and she's admitted causing your death. Yeah. And I, I thought, like, good for you seeing the silver linings, but I felt so angry on her behalf. Like, if someone, I put myself in her shoes and someone had done what had happened to Harry and they got eight months suspended and they didn't even come back to the UK for it, yeah. I'd be absolutely furious. Uh, but that's what happened. Uh, yeah, I'd be, like, obviously, I'm sure there was this element of injustice and fury, but they've probably been feeling that level of this is injustice and feeling that level of fury for so long now that it's just, like, background noise and getting any any justice juice is good, right? So that, that, <laughs> that sentence and that criminal record, because the criminal record doesn't go away, and that sentence, like, it, yeah. it, it is real... It is something for them, and it shows that they did enough to overcome the obviously massive hurdle that is getting somebody who is who's got like these weird diplomatic ties and is also not in the right country getting them sentenced, you know, even though they fled and even though there was all that injustice. So I, I get it. I get I get the fury, and then I also get the like oh, this this is a this is a win. Yeah, I, but like it obviously is not going to be enough. When somebody dies at anyone's hands, accident or not, nothing really feels like justice. No, that's true. So you got you got to take what you, what you get. Talking of justice and the US, we have okay. seen the basketball star Brittany Griner oh, yeah. return to the States this year after she was exchanged with the Russian arms dealer Victor Bout. There's a sh- who, there's a shooter joke in there somewhere, but I can't think of it right now. For the last twelve years, Mr. Bout has been in an American prison, and Brittany Griner, who is the American basketball player who I believe was arrested in February at Moscow Airport for possessing cannabis oil, yes, has been in prison and in a penal con- uh, colony, a penal colony. <laughs> For almost a year. Yeah. And the Biden administration then proposed a prisoner exchange a few months ago because Moscow have apparently wanted Victor Bout back in the country for a long time. And this very elaborate swap, did you see the video of this? Involved... It was, yeah, it was intense. Indeed. Two private planes bringing the two of them to Abu Dhabi and then they did that. It almost felt like it was in a movie. I'm sure at some point it will be. Yeah, they did the Hollywood walk. The slow walk. Across the tarmac. I hope Nick Cage repri- like returns to the role. A couple of handshakes here and there, and then back they came, swapped over, and uh, the six foot nine basketball star is now back in the states. So yeah, that got a lot of coverage in the a, a lot. in the media. Yeah, understandably for the last few months, and even the idea of a prisoner swap, I fail to remember the last time this happened. But clearly, you know, that's what got yeah, over the line this time. Well, got it on the hoop. I don't know if it counts as a swap, but like. Like Trump did release a whole bunch of terrorists, right? Kind of a swap. <laughs> Depends what he got in return. I don't know why he was. Th- what did he get from the Afghans? I don't remember anymore. Did he just release them all? Yeah, oil. 
I know, like it's obviously a big, a big thing, and um, they've tr- they've tried to get uh, one of their uh, the U.S. has tried to get one of their citizens returned to them at apparently any cost, uh, because the Russians probably feel like very big winners out of this because they get back uh, a notorious arms dealer, notorious enough to get Nicolas Cage to act him in a film. Um, and so big news, and it was very Hollywood, and it, um. Uh, we will see the film, surely. I don't see how it can be a film, but they'll find a way. But no, like, of course, everybody who doesn't like Biden is, like, slapping this down as, like, a weak man's move. Like, how <laughs> yeah. could you think this is worthwhile for the swapping? But I'm sure anybody who likes Britney, you know, is very happy about this. Okay. Wait, it is Britney, right? It is, indeed. Okay, let's, uh, I could say it's Britney, bitch. <laughs> Talking of American <laughs> politics. Sorry, I should have said that more tunefully. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Elon Musk, because it seems to be a weekly moment at this point, the Musk moment. He is politics now. He just wants the Conservatives back. Oh, indeed. Well, the Republicans back. Republicans, indeed. So let's move on to this. This was the, the story that after the end of a Dave Chappelle comedy show in San Francisco, he brought out Elon Musk on the stage. And the videos are on social media if you want to look it up. There is a very large proportion of the sh- of the audience who are booing him nah, as 10%. soon as he's introduced. 10% max. Elon Musk, of course, then tweeted a, a six or seven thread tweet saying it was 10% of people max. <laughs> it was just a very loud people. The salty leftist leaners. Yeah, all... <laughs> the radical, the radicals. All the lefty people in San Francisco who were booing him. And this was just after a series of tweets in which he appealed to far-right... Uh, members of the platform. He also tweeted, my pronouns are prosecute and then dash Fauci, which is which both is hilarious. a dog whistle for QAnon, but also dog like making fun of trans people. So that, of course, is going to... make well, But also it's hilarious. It's going to click really well with Dave. He doesn't understand how that would affect his life because then like, we could credit Fauci for everything. Like Elon Musk bought Twitter and Fauci immediately ground it down. You know, destroyed the company. So let me just ask. So I watched the the fallout of this video. It goes on for was maybe four or five minutes that I saw. It's anyway. a long time of very awkward stage moves <laughs> and Chappelle is. proving again that he's completely out of touch. There's right. So that's the first thing. Is that why would you bring him out on the on the stage? Like, what sort of reaction did you think he was going to get? Welcome to the richest man in the world, who immediately became not the richest man in the world. But you know, that's a funny point. But, but genuinely, it was cringe. Genuinely, after after Dave Chappelle at the end of a comedy show, why would you bring out the world's richest man? Who does he think his audience was? It right. won't be that audience anymore. But who does he think it was? Rich people? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Genuinely, why I don't know why you would do that other than like a flex. He's he's just flexing that he's friends with them. He's friends That's with it. Elon Musk. And he thinks yeah, it's right. a flex. Yeah, yeah. But it was like awkward because then he starts <laughs> he started being like everyone in the crowd is booing. You're all poors. Ha ha. You're super poor. All you crowd booers. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of point are you making here? Uh, and it got to the point where and Dave Chappelle is you know coming up with some one liners and getting reactions from the crowd. <laughs> and then at, at one point, Elon Musk, after four or five minutes of this, just turns to Dave and says, "What do I say?" Yeah, because well, he's, clearly he's got no got no charisma. So. He had never experienced that level of reaction in his life. I mean, I fail to remember ever seeing Elon Musk address a crowd and get that sort of reaction. Well, yeah, the crowds he usually addresses are his employees or like right. his tech bro crowd. You know, not just yeah somebody else's audience who still haven't realized that it's not the same person anymore. It's also the um, of course Twitter is still 
still a website. This is the the other point I want to not died yet to, to make. Of course, a lot of people are predicting that because of all the layoffs and stuff, that the site was going to go down. The site is still running, and they've introduced their uh, yeah. eight dollar blue. Yeah verification <laughs> tick with some excellent branding although $11 if you buy it on the uh, the Apple store because of the 30% cut that they truth, take truth yeah so what's the future of the site because clearly it's it's not going to die it is going to continue well they've stopped paying their bills for their office buildings <laughs> I saw that they stopped they stopped paying the rent <laughs> Like you can't, you can't do that. It's a cost-cutting measure, um, <laughs> and they've they've banned their employees from working at home. So that seems a bit contradictory. They're also debating not paying people their severance, which just sounds like easy class action lawsuit for all of those people, and even more money for all of those people. And um, I think Elon's doing a very not smart thing as usual. Um, and he's probably firing the lawyers that are telling him it's a bad idea, as you'd expect Elon to do. And um, so, like, Twitter isn't dying, like. Yeah, the servers aren't going down. There's there are weaknesses showing. There have been since the start. There's weaknesses showing, um, but the like and innovations won't happen so fast. There's an it's obvious why the blue check mark thing just looks as bad as it does and as weak as it does. They're putting all their money into well, all their money. They're putting the little money they can into trying to make the site look like it's getting updated and look like it's still cutting edge and all of those things. But it will slowly disintegrate. Um, as as they find out things they need to update that were only understood by three people who made it five years ago, you know. Um, but and if they just if they keep not paying their 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 bills, they might just get shut down, you know, electricity wise. So who knows what the future is for for Twitter? But it's definitely not as secure as the fanboys would make make, okay. make out to believe. There's also the news that for at least a, a week on Twitter, the account which followed his jet was banned and actually i've just searched for it and i can't find it the account looks like it's gone yeah the elon jet tracker uh, twitter account was banned the yeah. elon jet tracker so this was the account with half a million followers which essentially checked in anytime his jet took off and landed yet the account's gone yeah and twitter rules have which been updated very dangerous for poor elon of meaning course. that despite the fact that on november 7th he tweeted that the account would stay because of free speech of freedom of speech absolutist colin remember we talked about it before gone as of five hours ago oh no wait he's not oh yeah he's not as absolutist at yep. all it's just whenever it's convenient for him oh, i forgot eel at elon jet is no more it's the same it's just the same elon's just doing what he thinks serves elon best even if it doesn't because he can't have perspective that's it the he also banned the account that uploaded the original video of him getting booed uh, on Chappelle stage oh, oh did he that account gone oh, i missed that yeah he was banning accounts that were sharing it and replying to it and all that just but gone if you if you bully elon a little bit you might get banned the, the most interesting part of all this for me is as you mentioned at the intro there is if you go back even five years not even that maybe three elon musk was fairly bipartisan he had people who liked him on both sides of the aisle and 15 years ago he was starring as in cameos and movies he was showing up in iron man 2 and people were like oh look that's elon musk yeah yeah whereas now that was cringe it was a day ago he tweeted follow the rabbit which is a QAnon line Uh, another two days ago he tweeted they all think they're all like they're neo i know the woke mind virus is either defeated or nothing else matters which again is as uh, Republican as you can get. So so it's very much it, yeah. to me... It's just all dog whistles for righties. He's, yeah. he's aiming for that niche because he's found that that 
whatever for whatever reason that works that yeah, works they for level and they give money to people it's very that's it dangerous though to be able to if you are if you've got the the reach that he does and you own the entire site to be sending tweets which are that dog whistle to people who believe that American politics is run run by a cabal of satanic pedophiles like that's just flat out dangerous it is it is like these these ideas that lean into this conspiracies that encourage violence are obviously encouraging violence if you dog whistle to a group of people who want to be violent you're just showing them that you support their desire for violence and then you see more violence uh, the, the fact that 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 there's been an increase in almost every single uh, measure of hate speech on the platform is just one symptom of what it's like having someone like Elon not only owning a platform but using it uh, to further his I don't even understand where they came from beliefs because I don't think he's got any actual right leaning beliefs of his own he's just realized they're profitable for him. But I don't see how. I don't see how it's a long-term investment for him. But maybe he doesn't think about it long-term. He's Elon. He doesn't have a brain. Okay, let's continue. Let's talk about Dominic Raab. Although he did actually, he did say, he did say that electric cars do have an impact on the environment. Oh, wow. He did actually still have that one backbone. Somebody somebody did say to, to Joe Biden on Twitter that electric, park, electric cars don't impact the environment. And Elon was like, uh, they do. Oh, there we go. Even a stop clock is right twice a day. Yeah. Let's talk about Dominic Raab. Exactly. He still makes money from cars, so he's Let's happy about Let's talk about Dominic Raab, because there have been five more complaints hate him. about the former Justice Secretary. On a previous episode, we talked about the fact that he had told civil servants on various occasions to do everything from jump out a window to slit their own throats. Uh, he sent abusive text messages and now means that there are eight separate complaints being investigated. He, of course, has denied all wrongdoing. And uh, the official spokesperson of the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, uh, said that all of these claims relate to his previous job rather than what he's doing at the moment. So, Right. So he couldn't get fired right now because he was bad in the past. That would be crazy. Uh, and also, I may, am I wrong here? Is he Deputy Prime Minister? Oh, I don't no, know can't his be. current job is, man. They, they, they change it every other week. No, thanks. Sorry, my, my bad. He is. He is the current Justice Secretary yes, okay. and the Deputy Prime Minister. And all this is okay, this makes sense now. That's why the Prime Minister said all of the complaints are related to the last time he was Justice Secretary rather than the current time he's Justice Secretary. <laughs> not the not the job he's doing right now that's the same job as before and he was bad at it. <laughs> Correct. So that's what's happening, and of course he is still in a it's, job. Again though, I do want to highlight that I, this is a cross party problem for sure. I think we, we come it's a job. MP, you know, leader of the of the of the leaders of the country that that attracts people who are a little bit power hungry, who know how to be authoritative, and therefore are probably have anger issues and probably have high expectations of the people that they consider beneath them. So it won't just be a rap thing. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a problem across all parties. But anybody who's getting investigated, obviously, should probably have a little bit of a of a limit, a little bit of a cage that stops them from being quite as involved in party matters for a little bit until the investigations end. But no, rap just doing what Rab do. See, I couldn't figure out there if you were if you'd crashed or if you were just letting me rent. Um, just letting you so rent. I, I, I came to an end. <laughs> it ended. And speaking of, the show must end too. Let's talk about, lastly, entertainment and lighter stories. James, I have okay. three things to review. Do you have anything? 
I don't think I finished anything, Colin. I don't think I did. I don't think I finished a single thing. <laughs> okay. I want to talk about a, a new movie, an old okay. franchise, and then this podcast, which I'm going to tell everybody to go and listen to. And another podcast. A different podcast, not this one. Yeah. So, yeah, not this podcast. review number one is Wakanda Forever. Oh, okay. Which is, of course, the sequel to the 2018 Two billion dollar smash hit Black Panther, the Marvel movie, uh, which hit cinemas, or the new sequel hit cinemas about a month ago, and it's still out at the moment. So, this okay. new one, the biggest change, of course, is the very real death of the lead character, Chadwick Boseman, who died uh, about yes. 18 months ago of colon cancer. He had played the role of T'Challa, Black Panther himself. And that, in this movie, has forced a lot of the secondary players into much larger roles. Uh, this movie is still in cinemas, by yeah. the way, until at least Friday, because then that's when Avatar 2 comes out and is going to absolutely obliterate everything in its path. Uh, so once again, this movie, directed by Ryan Coogler, who did the first one. Mm-hmm. You've got Angela Bassett. You've got Letitia Wright, uh, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, loads of people, Mi- Michaela Cohen, uh, Michaela Cole even, and the newcomer, Tino Huerta, who was a new name for me. He plays the villain Namor. Yes. And let me start by saying this is a surprisingly worthy sequel okay. and a much-needed return to form for Marvel because okay. you can tell everybody involved desperately wanted to get this film Right. They had to, yeah. Because of Chadwick. So this is both in the tone, it's somber, it's funereal, it deals a lot with death, uh, it's the execution of everything else, it's the writing, the acting, the directing, even the humour. Of course, there's a couple of lines in here which is Marvel-esque, but that's, it's only a couple of lines, that's it, for the most part. And that's a dream overall, for them to not be quipping every other minute. It's really solid, and the lead in this movie, as we suspected is Letitia Wright, who plays the role of Princess Shuri, who is the uh, in-film brother, brother, sister, sibling sibling of King T'Challa. So, and she, in fairness, does well. It's a very weighty role. She's, of course, dealing with Mm -hmm. the real-life consequences of what I imagine was her friend dying. Yeah. And there's a lot in this movie that requires some emotional beats. And, And yeah, everybody does their part admirably so i would recommend people watch this when they get a chance if they have an interest in seeing it because it is different it's okay it's forced to be different because of the because of the circumstances in which the movie was made and even the the villain uh namor he's he's good he's one of the better ones because he gets okay a solid backstory there's real conflict in there and it's understandable you can actually understand his motives it's not just oh i'm bad because i'm bad it's yeah right th- this is very much understandable why you are doing this got it got of it, course got it. it descends a little bit into big cgi fighty fighty at the end yeah that's part for the course but it's right. it's one of the more acceptable ones because it's all done in broad daylight hey, rather than what these typically tend no to end up being time yeah which is um Completely just blurry, grey mess. So, yeah, pros and cons, absolutely. It's far from perfect, but it is well worth seeing. I enjoyed it a lot. Graham, the two of us went to see it. We both enjoyed it a lot okay. as a standalone movie. And it sets up 
a third film as well. Of course, there was only does. one uh, post-credit scene, but it's fairly important, I would say. Right. Okay. Second thing I would like to review is the end of the Harry Potter franchise because. Oh boy. Wow. Other end of the spectrum of movies. Myself and Graham have finally finished all the Harry Potter films, culminating, of course, well done. with the Deathly Hallows parts one and two. Yes. These films, uh-huh. as I've said in previous episodes, have progressively got more annoying <laughs> because they're, they've just descended into silly, unexplainable plot moments so for example in okay. the uh, the concluding film here part two <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, everyone's seen this everyone knows what happens right <laughs> Voldemort is killed okay sorry Dumbledore is back at one point in this final movie Ron speaks in in snake language parcel tongue yeah yeah to open a secret door well he remembers and, it and instantly I said well sorry how does he know that and he turns to Hermione and says huh Harry speaks speaks in his sleep oh no <laughs> I just, I paused it and thought, right, so the logistics of Ron learning a new language because he heard someone sleep talk Wait. is just, just it's in ridiculous. In my brain, he did that because he just remembered Harry saying it no, to the door. No, no, no. He says, Harry sleep talks. That's what it was. He's, no way. He puts it down to Harry sleep talking and that's how he learned this language, this phrase. I figured, I figured out the words he meant because right, I just understood them. I, I knew what they knew. All, without yeah. any context, without it be like, oh, Harry, by the way, can you please explain what you said when you were <laughs> to, sleeping? It, yeah, to understand a language, all you have to do is listen to it forever. And the second thing I would say, and this, I have so many problems with this film and this, this franchise, <laughs> but the second thing which really annoyed me was the third to last scene and it's the fight scene between Harry and Voldemort okay in which and watch this back people if you feel if you are failing to believe me here if you struggle to to put faith in my words good VFX the only people who are present for that fight are Harry and Voldemort yes and lo and behold spoiler Voldemort is killed he gets turned into wallpaper and he blows away in the wind of course he does you can't have any gore. And the only person, the only person who witnesses that happening is Harry. Yes. And then you just come, the next scene is everyone just in the great hall of, of Hogwarts, just patching up their wounds and, you know, having a wee hug here and there. And not a single person has witnessed the death of Voldemort apart from Harry. Right. And they all just to be like, uh, Harry walks, uh, how did that play out? Did he just walk into the chamber? He's like, oh, guys. Yeah, uh, guys, I'm done. Uh, we're done. We did it. I, I beat him. Take care of your wounds now. <laughs> it's like, right, Quietly, though. Where? What happened? He's like, oh, I turned him into dust. No, it's Harry. Of course <laughs> it is believed him. Um, and it just goes from the death scene of Voldemort, and then suddenly they're all just in the hall again. Yeah. And the only logical explanation is he went in there and was like, oh, guys, uh, we, we it. won. It's it's finished. We got it now. <laughs> all the Death Eaters have kind of run away now. Unless he killed them. Uh, wasn't it fun when he killed them all? <laughs> and then, and that's, that's the second to last scene, and then the final scene... Is a uh, twenty three years later. It does, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's them with their their kids. I mean, they only look about <laughs> two years older than they were thirty seconds earlier. Well, yeah. And then the movie ends. All the kids have like the most cringy. Uh, someone liked the books too much. Names. <laughs> to, to the extent, yeah, he calls 
his son because his son's very apprehensive about going to Hogwarts and he calls him the son his full name which I don't think anyone has ever done in my full life <laughs> has ever said to me in my life Colin Murdostone that's not a reassuring thing that is not a reassuring thing to do it's very heavy handed and I, just, I thought they had to squeeze it in to show how cringe they are I thought the finale both parts were a total mess silly and the only way I would have enjoyed it is if I had fully disengaged my brain. But because yeah. there have been six movies up to that, and some of them were actually quite good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just so disappointed, and particularly with the ending. And, and we just have to believe Voldemort died. You know, like, no one saw it, but, yep, he died. Well, if, yeah, if Harry would have been dead if Voldemort didn't die, of course. It's really obvious. Or he just ran away. It's, yeah. He just, he just, you know, zip, 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 and then he's into the sky again. Does it all the time. Check under Harry's hat as well. Do you want in the back of his head? (laughs) Make sure. Okay. And one final thing. So I did not. I did not enjoy it at all. It's not surprising. I would like one question. One question. What do you think? What do you think the moral lesson that you learned from this great franchise was? Well, I'll tell you first of all. I'm going to avoid answering that question and just tell you one thing. I did like crap which is that they treated Voldemort throughout the entire franchise like they treat the shark in Jaws. And that really surprised me. I mean, that's a compliment because in Jaws, you barely see the shark for like the first hour. It's just hinted at. And that's part of what makes that movie so good is the building of essentially the villain, the shark. And the same is true of Voldemort. He, in, in some of these movies... It just isn't in it at all. He's mentioned by other people. Yeah. And then some... He's like kind of in the first one, technically in the second one. He's he's uh, overshadowing the third right. one. But, but sorry, when I, say, when I say Voldemort, I mean Ralph Fiennes or Rafe Fiennes playing Voldemort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay. only... He's only in like four of the movies. And in, I would say, the vast majority of them, he has a scene. Yeah. So that is, to me, that's credit to the screenwriting because it means that... And I'm sure a quick Google search will find this. Voldemort is one of the most effective villains in oh, yeah, movie history. Oh, yeah, And like, I, I do agree with that because it's well-written. He's not just oversaturated, but because the lore of that character is built up by everyone else talking about him and re- referring to him and other people and all the connections they have, that I did appreciate. Back to your question, moral of the story. Yeah, there's, there's obviously good elements. Just... Choose good over evil. That's oh, that's what wow. I got. Very, very powerful message. And also, you know, if you're Hermione and you get uh, slagged off by boys, then deal with it. That, that's what I got from movie four. Well, didn't she get her teeth fixed? She got her teeth smallified or is that just in the books? I'm pretty sure that was just in the book. But in yeah, the movie... Vital, good lesson to learn. Change your appearance. Harry and Ron are horrible to her. When, when it's the night of the prom, and there's zero resolution, and there's zero retribution for either of them being assholes to her. She just runs off crying. They're like, all right, girls, man. Ha-ha, we made fun of girl. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, didn't, I didn't like that bit. No, like, I, f- I felt for her. Obviously, the books and the films did a lot of things right because they got a massive fan base, but yeah, I, I, can't, I can't abide them, I'm afraid. Okay, one final review, and I'll keep this one short. It is the podcast I want you all to go and listen to Hey-o. if it's your thing. Right now. It's called The Coming Storm, mm-hmm. and it's a BBC Sounds podcast okay. about the rise of QAnon and right. people on the far right who believe that Donald Trump was waging a war against a Hillary Clinton-led party of satanic pedophiles who drink the blood of babies. Yeah. So let me start by saying this show is... 
excellent and it's so bingeable i listen to all eight episodes and the two epilogues in the space of a day and a half okay so really good stuff it's rather than it just being you know unfiltered randomly structured chat like this show is people have taken the time <laughs> yeah, it's one of the good to, podcasts, to script so, it yeah. to you know there's sound editing there's in there actual research really good it's solid research really good use of interviews and they speak to uh, in the, some of the later episodes just what you would call and i use my air quotes here normal republicans people who are as surprised as we are that these random people just started showing up in local elections a couple right, of years yeah. ago and they were saying, well, no, we don't believe any of this stuff, but they've just come in and now it's either us or them, and they're the ones who are winning. Mm-hmm. So really interesting. There's a couple of episodes where towards the end, of course, they want you to listen to the next one, and it's a little bit of a false cliffhanger, like, that's not the only thing I thought was strange. That's on the next episode. <laughs> so, that, I mean, that's that's fine. That's part of how these shows work. It's so British podcast, yeah. <laughs> but if, that's, if American politics and uh, QAnon is your thing, which for me, I am morbidly fascinated by it go and listen great stuff really enjoyable yeah no yeah and it, if you listen and, and any of the talking points sound familiar to you time to think yeah oh for sure anyway dear listener if you have watched a movie if you finished a tv show listen to a great podcast that maybe was this one you can let us know review it seesaw parade at gmail.com send it to us written form audio forms even better or if you know us directly you can ping us that on whatsapp or discord depending what you like yeah even both wow okay james we've got a couple more stories one thing i want to talk about here which definitely got less prominence this year than any year i can remember the golden globes oh those the nominations came out now of course these shiny boys this was uh this has been uh, uh an award show which used to be in the past the yardstick for what was going to do well at the Oscars. Yes. But because there's been a lot of controversy in recent years, for example, let's say they cast, uh, or rather there was a year where all the nominations were just white people, and then they found out that everybody who voted in this uh, Hollywood Foreign Press Association was also white. Yeah. And uh, yeah, lots of people then stayed away. A bit problematic. That being said, it is still seen as somewhat of a yardstick for the Oscars, and funnily enough... Leading the way for nominations for this year's awards is the Banshees of Inisherin, right. which, dear listener, I reviewed a few weeks you ago, did. and I you fully did. expect will do very well. It's been nominated for Best Picture in Musical nice. or Comedy, Martin nice. McDonough's Directing, the Screenplay, also up for a lot of awards, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is my favourite movie of the year. Yeah, I actually not, I've still not seen it. I should really oh, see it. You've, you have got to. It's absolutely fantastic i'm very excited to i already get i already get excited about the film i've not even seen it yeah six nominations there then you've got the fablemans which is an up-and-coming steven spielberg semi-autobiography uh, try that again semi-autobiographical film of his childhood good emphasis and then a couple more for babylon which is brad pitt and margot robbie and then elvis the biopic from last year okay. of course there was some people who missed out including Rings of Power. Wait. Not a single nomination for them for the TV categories. Did they get noms? There's TV cats. There's TV categories. Yeah, yeah, and the and Golden Globes. Yeah. Did they do things like uh, VFX? No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
Man, because like there we go, the VFX and the rings of power. It might be like, more like the Emmys. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, you also had in the uh, best picture category at the Golden Globes, and this is where yeah some eyebrows were raised. Top Gun Maverick, which in fairness was good, but also then yeah, that was the thing. Avatar: The Way of Water, which uh, is out. Oh, which is definitely real on and already out. Friday. Yeah. So yeah, do we? How much weight are we giving to this? I mean, it's, I guess as much as ever, there's always been some questionable picks in, in any awards show, including the Oscars and stuff. So I, I do think it's, like, I think any show with as big a budget as The Rings of Power should probably get some award because they spend a lot of money on effects and costume and things like that. Although I don't like the costumes particularly. Um, so maybe it's a sign that they're kind of are leaning into popularity a little bit as usual. There is also a, a nomination for The Glass Onion Knives Out sequel. Oh right, yeah, I've not, I've not seen that. That's yet. Uh, very few people have because it's is it not out, yet? out on Netflix on December twenty third. It was only in theaters oh. for a limited run, and I missed it. Oh, I missed it. Yeah. Okay, a couple of trailers to talk about as well. First one. All right. Is for Guardians of the Galaxy three. Oh yes. Here's a clip. Don't forget. Where we came from. We have been running our whole lives. Pete, I'm done running. I thought this was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, I did think it was interesting. What do you think? They kind of like did a little bit too much of a reveal. I think we've seen a few of the little unexpected maybe moments in the film. Uh, and they definitely are death flagging. Several characters, and especially <laughs> Big Raccoon Boy. Death flagging. Yeah, like, so death flags. Right. This is where, as I say, it was interesting because it was a very different tone to the previous Guardian movie, certainly the first one anyway. Different. It was still goofy. And whilst, yeah, there's goofiness and there's Drax being a silly... Just cr- I cannot stand that character anymore. What, what's so the bad. Simpsons reference again? Flanderization. Flanderized. He's been totally flanderized. Uh, once again, even in the space of this trailer. However, there was enough in there... Such a shame. What a waste of a character. For sure. There was enough in there that piqued my interest in terms of, as you say, characters who may be bowing out. Yeah. And on the back of watching Wakanda Forever, I believe this may well be the theme of the next batch of movies, which is death and dealing with it. If they did that, power it to them. Kill off the characters. But at some point, they have to keep on... You know, eventually, the franchise is... Uh, they've all got to be flogged. Until they can be flogged no more. But that's the thing is, how many Guardians films can you make? Like, three, well, at some point you're going to run out of Guardians, right? Four, right, or five, right? There's, you got to get boring stories after that. Or people are tired of the increasingly flanderized characters after that. Even the average audience will be tired. Well, yeah, there, um, at that point, there's the law of diminishing returns, which is essentially if you keep doing the same stuff over and over yeah. again, it's going to do less well. And so I like, believe we've seen that with Thor. Yeah, so they've got to try and kill off some characters to make it seem like it's coming to an end and then maybe have the surviving characters be called upon in other films in the future, other franchises, to make them feel more at home, you know? Okay. Uh, but yeah, they've definitely got to... They, but they did they did crack out a few too many of the cliches. There was... The, the trailer. This trailer had so many cliches, like riding for the last time and the whole I am Groot thing getting said. No, we are Groot thing getting said again and like raccoons maybe got a love interest or something and they're really putting that front and center a wee bit to make it even more death flaggy it was a very cliche trailer and it didn't really get me excited 
Okay, fair enough. What about the next trailer then? The Last of Us. Here is a oh, clip for no. this. Why are you so important? Somewhere out west. They're working on a cure. I think what really impressed them was the fact that I didn't turn into a monster. If she so much as twitches. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> All right, James, what do you think? Why did they do the take on me music? So they, they could have done anything except that. I heard it at the, in the middle of the trailer. I was like, hang on. Is the background music like doing the doing the, the, the notes from take on me? That's really awkward if it is. I don't like that. And then it faded out and I thought I was paranoid. I thought I was crazy. And then it blasted in again. And I was like, no, but, <laughs> no. But that to me is a creative choice we've seen with a lot of trailers recently. They take these big well, yeah, 80s cliche, bops and they yeah. turn them into melancholic piano orchestral it's been, pieces. It's old now. It's been happening as long as I remember. They did that for like the young X-Men thing, whatever that was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that was eight. That was like a granted did that, early podcast, but still <laughs> podcast ago. Did that take you out of the interest? Definitely. It definitely okay. made me feel like they've got something going wrong if they're making that kind of a decision for an established franchise like this. The rest of the trailer, it looked like they're kind of just making the game again, but in a TV show and when the story is good, Sure, it should work. I don't think there's doing anything original, which is okay. Sometimes you need things to not be very original and just enjoy them for what they are. Uh, but that definitely was just like a, very, a big off-putting thing for me was, was the fact that halfway through the trailer, I'm thinking I'm crazy that they're using this stupid song and then they use it anyway. The song itself is fine. Just like redoing it in a slow melancholy version is so overdone. Okay, we do have one final trailer. It's The Pale Blue Eye. Now this is... Christian Bale and Harry Melling, who is one of my favorite young actors, yeah. in turns turning up. Yeah, it seems like a book adaptation. I might be wrong. Yeah, here's a clip. Another cadet is missing. Hope I need you to discreetly infiltrate the cadets. What is this? Blood, symbols, rituals. Oh my lord! Man will do most anything to cheat death. Where are the facts? Where are the simple facts? The truth! I believe the dead haunt us because we love them too little. Up here! Up here! Yeah, because Harry Melling's character is playing Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, that's true. I'm pretty confident it was a real person. <laughs> might have heard of him. He was he was real, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so is this then a book about a real person or a real story? I don't know. Um, I don't actually. I actually have tried to avoid finding out because I know if I Google what's going on, I'll find out a little okay. bit about the book. We'll watch it um, and then I'm sure at the end it'll say something like "based on true events" and they'll do that classic biopic movie thing where they show you black and white pictures of the based real people. Based on true events, you find out the true events. You're like, someone dreamed this one day. <laughs> But no, like it looks okay. like a very interesting project. And it's again, it's coming from Netflix. It's one of those things where Netflix finally does actually budget and time something appropriately yep. and it looks like it works out, pays off. Because Definitely. this looks really good. And like you say, Melling is, seems to have a really good run on the table right now. And it's mostly Netflix projects. But every time he shows up in one of them, it's got a pretty high chance of being at least adequate. <laughs> so the last thing, and, and, sorry, not the last, the most memorable 
role he's had, and you can go back and watch this, is in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. He is... I believe it's in the episode which is called Ozymandias. This is the film which is... Or an anthology, which is six uh, short stories directed by the Coen brothers. And he is in his anthology story with Liam Neeson. Yeah. And Liam Neeson... In fact, it's called Meal Ticket. That's what it's called. And Harry Melling plays a character who has no arms, no legs. And every single night, Liam Neeson goes from town to town in 19th century America, wheeling this guy around. And he goes on stage and entertains the local people with the story... Or yeah. the poem, Ozymandias. Yes. And then eventually, he realises that this guy is getting fewer and fewer people coming to see his performances. And then Liam Neeson must make a choice of what to do with this person who is he's having to share all his meals with in the harsh yeah. Nebraskan winter. And he was... We're really selling, uh, we're really selling the pale blue eye here. He, sorry. I'm selling Harry <laughs> Melling. That's what I'm doing. His yeah. performance in this short story was yeah. so good that I had to look him up and instantly just follow all the stuff he does because he was fantastic. And it turns wow. out, you, as a kid you actor... Yeah, you watched Harry Potter. <laughs> he was, yeah, and then, this is the thing, he turned up in Harry Potter as... Uh, Dudley, Dudley Dursley? <laughs> big Dudley, yeah. Yeah, Dudley or whatever. And suddenly he's back and he's like 10 years old acting again. You see him through the movies. So Well, you know, like, what was he? He was in The Queen's Gambit, uh, which is very well received. He was in The Devil all the time, which I haven't watched that yet, but was it well received? He was in The Old Guard, yep. which was surprisingly well received. Like, he's been he's been turning up. So And he looks really good in this. He does, and the whole thing looks really good. And it looks like it's going to be... I don't know. Very tense. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for that. Okay. Well, talking. I mean, of... Christian Bale is just doing the thing Christian Bale does. He's very he much, does he's, that very, he's very well. Obviously, not lost in the character, in my opinion. But Indeed. that's okay. Okay. Well, we are lost for time. We are out of it. James, thank you very much. Wow. Good turn for you. That's what you call sharp writing. Uh, that's what. Thank. <laughs> thank you very much for your time, for your comments, thoughts, opinions. Wow. And dear listener, if you have any of your own, share them. Let's hear them. What do you think? Do you yeah, like Harry Melling? Let us know what your favourite Christmas top is. Your favourite Christmas jumpy one. Do you have a favourite Christmas song? Or a song. That's much more boring, but sure. Mine is The River by Jody Mitchell. <laughs> I don't even know that. I don't even know Listen it. to it. It's beautiful. It's very sad. Okay. And that's why I like it. Oh, that sounds good. If we had the rights to that song, it would be playing now, so just imagine it in your head. And I will drift off yeah, into the, the background. Okay, bye, James. The River by Joni Mitchell oh, you is actually playing. Drifted. You didn't just like do the volume thing. You actually drifted. No, I, I, I'm properly drifting. Okay, goodbye. We'll see you next week. Go again. Go again. All right. Yeah, cheers. Bye. Joni Mitchell's playing The River. Thank you, Joni yeah. Mitchell. Good night. Wow. What a song.